Hey everyone, Tony and John here bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, like I said, John's here with me. John, how you doing? I'm well, how are you? Uh, you know, doing good. It's the beginning of a long and important offseason for the Kings. Um, so obviously not too much news happening around the Kings lately involving, uh, you know, picking up players or anything on that front really it's been kind of a slow week but you know the nba playoffs are going on you've been watching any of that a little bit um been watching uh so far um i I watched that game on sunday uh the the boston uh game against the nets uh uh, i saw kyrie Irving go off but i haven't i've watched the warriors games as well i've been surprised that um like kind of thought the nuggets would put up a little bit more of a fight <laughs> against golden state but uh jordan Poole's just the third splash brother you know and yeah okay. and uh that uh so i've been watching those i guess i've been watching that series and i watched uh the thriller on sunday um i i watched a little bit i think of the first philadelphia um uh toronto game uh, you know, uh, it's interesting, you know, with, uh, <laughs> Doc Rivers, uh, in that, in the, in the, the, the Sixers, uh, his name as well as Nick Nurse's name was included in a report about the, the Lakers list of who they're interested in. And, um, like, of course with like Rivers, um after the Sixers got Harden and with Maury basically running things there um you know they want to they they there there's that rumor that says kind of just stuck that they want to bring in Dan Tony because he made James Harden a scoring champ several times and so you know i know that being connected to the Lakers is in no in no way being connected to the Kings you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. like, especially when you're not even sure this guy's going to be available. But it's like, it's kind of fun to think about, you know? I mean, like, uh, considering the fact that the job in Los Angeles that was just vacated, Frank Vogel, was, you know, basically added to the list of, you know, known names that the Kings are looking at, you know? You can't help. It's like we were talking about uh, Quinn Snyder, which, I mean, same goes for him as Rivers, probably maybe it's a little bit more realistic to think Snyder could come to Sacramento. But again, that's kind of unrealistic overall, but it's still like, you know, you have to consider it. These guys are, you have to at least put the name on the list. You know, I think in terms of people you want now, um, you know, uh, as to their futures with their teams, again, like I, I can't say for sure. I don't think really anybody can, but you know, uh, those are names that, uh, are kind of fun to think about maybe because just because Frank Vogel in the similar way that we were saying last week about Mike Brown, his name just doesn't like have that pizzazz. Although looking at Vogel, I mean, he had tremendous success in Indiana going to the Eastern conference finals twice again, losing to what will be looked back at as one of the best teams ever. Those Miami teams with LeBron. Wade and Bosch, 
And um, more importantly, he led those teams. I think he led the Pacers to being like the number one defense in the league maybe two or three times. Um, and so it's like, oh, man, you know, that's something you have to consider. I don't know. Kind of just no. spitball in there. But no, Vogel Frank is Vogel. an interesting is a very interesting candidate. Vogel should not be overlooked just because, you know, he was the Lakers coach and, you know, up the Lakers and everything like that. But like, yeah, like last season, this season didn't go, you know, perfectly for Vogel. He, you know, he had to deal with Westbrook and Davis injuries, you know, um, I, I wouldn't say this season is, is only his fault or anything of that sort. I mean, he did win an NBA title with the Lakers, but even, you know, going past that, um, yeah, like you said, those Indiana teams, I, I think people forget how good those Indiana teams were under him. But yeah. Top defense. They easily, they could have won the NBA finals if it wasn't for, um, you know, the Miami heat, they had to go through those great heat teams. So I don't, I, I think remember, people, remember <laughs> right after they went to the, Eastern Conference Finals the second time, you know, the reason they were not very good the next year was because um, I think it was right after that second time. It was uh, Paul George's terrible injury. Yeah, it broke um, his leg. Where he missed the most of the season and he mm-hmm. didn't come, he, he only came back and played like the last six. Um, yeah, and, when they're already out of it. Yeah. And it's like, even with the Lakers, like, yeah, I'm not, not really giving much credence to that championship that year. It's definitely not yeah. the same NBA championship. <laughs> Sorry, LeBron. Hate to break it to you, pal. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is, it, is that despite that, that was a damn good Lakers team that played really good defense. And, yeah, I, the thing about this past season is they – they 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 took away the thing on paper that Vogel is able to turn into like exceptional results because those Laker teams were playing really good defense. They had like guys like like Alex Caruso. They had um, who else? Did they had um, like that was a good like defensive Dan- presence on the team. Danny Green, uh, I believe, right? Danny Green, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Kentavious, yeah. Uh, you know, these like good defenders and this season, these guys aren't on the team anymore, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so it's like, you're taking away his weapons and you're giving him Westbrook and the Westbrook thing's weird. Cause there were sources that were saying, well, I don't know what the hell anybody's talking about with the Westbrook thing. Cause uh, Vogel is really positive with them and supportive of them and everything. And Westbrook's just kind of like, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. So it's like, I don't you know, what do you make of that? You know, I'm not sure. And it's just like, you know, Vogel at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like I think one of the interesting things about Vogel is um, because we were saying this about Steve Clifford is it's like it's not really the right opportunity for him with Sacramento. It's not like you're trying to take, you know, Sacramento has a they have a direction as far as we know that is pretty decent. It's got a foundation that can succeed. It just kind of needs that next step. It doesn't need to like be rounded up together and like build a foundation and all that. It kind of has that stuff in the works. It just needs to be like renovated, so to speak. And so like, you know, Clifford replaced Vogel in uh, Orlando when uh, he was, uh, when Vogel was coaching the magic for two years um, after his, uh, he, he was asked to leave by Larry Bird. Um, 
Larry <laughs> Legend. Um, and uh, you know, he he had he gone to a to this magic team that was young and like inexperienced, and it was this completely new ex- you know uh, uh, experience for Vogel because he was just leading this basically star-studded team for the most part. I mean, like you know, star-studded you know take that with a grain of salt but i mean like a good team a very very talented team in, in in with the pacers um there for a while and you know he goes to the magic and that didn't work out and it and then clifford comes in and he kind of flipped things and got things going for them uh for a couple of those young guys until they wanted to go ahead and rebuild again or whatever they're doing now um and uh you know, and Orlando, of course, has some changes in there. Like Vogel didn't have the greatest experience there. There was like a GM change there. Um, you know, they they gave. Uh, uh, I think they traded away a few guys. I know that they brought in like a few players. They, they, they just didn't. It was another situation where they're just kind of messing with a situation that works for Vogel. Um, and so, like, I guess just to kind of get back to the point here, you know, like if Clifford's not a good option for the, the Kings, but he was like a good option for whatever was going on in Orlando at that one time, like Vogel, like he has an opportunity to kind of like, I, I don't know, like if there's any opportunity to make another Pacers situation, it's like this Kings team, you know? Um, I feel like it would be a decent fit and it wouldn't be a bad move, honestly. Um, I don't know if, there's anybody that like, I mean, like we were talking about it last week. It's like, there's a lot of names to consider some that are really like potential, like, uh, like you could very much see them becoming the coach. Some not so much. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, ah, I don't know. Like there's so many different options. You can't really tell. Um, but like, and it kind of, maybe Mike Brown kind of floated to the top a little bit, Kenny Atkinson, but you know, like Vogel kind of just like with all these options, he's kind of somewhere in the middle there, you know, like mm-hmm. it's uh it's just something that like where everything lands. He's, he's really a serious option, I think for, for the Kings um, and for, for decent reason. Um, and, you know, it, it was probably just better for both parties that he left Los Angeles um, more so for Vogel. I don't think people really, give him that credit probably or or take that point of view Mm-hmm. no I, I think vogel should be on the list you know the mcnair is going to have a lot of names to interview and look at and yeah vogel should be right there there's no reason he shouldn't um i'm not saying he's the perfect candidate but yeah he can bring defense to this you know king's team that where defense is needed badly um, he's a proven winner. He, he'd definitely be an interesting candidate and a coach if we choose to hire him or Monte does. Uh, but kind of like what you said, his name doesn't jump out, especially after I think this year. Um, it's kind of hard to get excited about that. You know, a team with Westbrook, LeBron, and uh, Anthony Davis don't make it to the playoffs, regardless of what happened. Any LeBron led team doesn't make it to the playoffs. It's kind of you know, hard pill yeah. to swallow. So that definitely uh, drops his stock a little and makes it more like, like, eh, like Vogel, really. But no, like going back, he, he he's a solid coach. Um, and it'd be interesting. But yeah, I, I don't think he's the front runner. I still think that's with Kenny Atkinson. But yeah, I, th- I the more I look into Mike Brown, I find him an interesting candidate as well. 
Um, it's uh, man, those those Warriors assistant coaches, they uh, Kings love them, and I guess so do we. Mike Brown, defensive guy, um, you know, been under Steve Kerr for a hot minute now, and you know, it's always this kind of like prodigy guys who you're under someone, kind of like how Budenholzer was under Greg Popovich forever, and look what he did. I'm not saying. You know, Mike Brown was some new guy. He obviously went to the finals with LeBron. Again, another LeBron-led team like Vogel. But um, I don't know, it's, it's just interesting, right? Like, Yeah, to come from a good coaching tree. Yeah, exactly. So, And same with those other two guys, um, Ham and um, who's the other guy from Milwaukee? Char- Charles Lee. Charles Lee, yeah. And who's Ham? Dar- Darvin? Darvin Ham, yeah. Darvin Ham, yeah. So, I mean, th- you said they've been under uh, Budenholzer since the Hawks days. And, I mean, yeah. Budenholzer's, uh, you know, been one of the best coaches since taking over for the Hawks. And that was, I don't know. I don't know how long ago that was. It's been, I mean, he's been one of the better coaches in the league for a minute now. And, you know, those guys who learn under him, it wouldn't be a bad idea bringing them in. You know, they obviously know some tricks. And, those are those are always good guys to hire in my opinion so yeah i think yeah i think you're right i mean i think also another assistant coach that's been thrown around is sam cassell who is yeah cassell. coaching searches uh, i think he was considered for the clippers and the celtics last season uh, or last year um but just kind of talking about like names that pop i mean like just to as to why that's kind of important from like an optics standpoint, I think for this organization, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they're confident in a guy, um, and they're confident that he's going to come out and the results are going to show on the court right away and everything's going to be fine, then they don't really have to worry about this. But I do think it's something that has to be at least considered is the optics of just like to the fans, you know, 16 years, no playoffs. You don't want to just like get, you know, I don't know. Like you, it's like you, like you said, I don't know. If you tell people they get Frank Vogel as a coach, like that's not going to send a great fuzzy feeling into most Kings fans, you know. Now, of course, if those results work out, but that that's going to change things. But uh, you know, there's there's some some fear of the mob, and probably somewhere deep down inside the front office, you know, to some degree, and um, you know. I wonder if that might skew, you know, or, or maybe not skew, but uh, how it might that affect how aggressive the search is. It doesn't sound like it's going to be an aggressive search. It's a very like, almost like kind of meet us halfway uh, kind of approach. But, you know, how much does that kind of like mess with that, you know, because it's got to be present. I mean, everybody asks, and rightfully so, about that playoff drought. And everybody always says it's like, yeah, it's like the thing that's there. It's a thing that you can't ever escape, and it's this thing you want to change. But you know, uh, Kings fans have heard that for a long time. You know, so uh, I, I just wonder if that the, the, that whole optics thing in the in the in the, the magnitude of uh, popularity or uh, how renowned a name is, uh, how that all plays into the search yeah i mean i hope not i hope it's not really doesn't affect the search i monte has said that 
the last 16 years, like he doesn't care. He's doing what's best, what's going to be best for the team, you know, without thinking about this playoff drought. Yeah. I mean, he says that, and it probably is hard. Like you said, you don't want to bring in a coach like Vogel who will probably, you know, won't have the warmest welcome from Kings fans. Not saying he'll have a bad welcome, but you know, the excitement for him wouldn't be at the highest, but I mean, kind of like I was saying last week, like, if Vogel's the guy and Monte, you know, goes through his all his interviews or he does his due diligence on all these coaches and Vogel comes out as the guy who's like, you know what, like Vogel, like, like this, this should be the coach of the Kings. He's going to lead us to success. And I I think at the end of the day, you got to pull the trigger on that. And it's Monte's team. Like I said, and Monte, we trust. We have to trust this guy to do what's best for the team. I know he wants to win. We all know he wants to win. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, we're just gonna have to trust what Monte does, and regardless if it's the like coolest candidate and like you know, the guy we all want, like a D'Antoni or maybe a Mark Jackson, or if it's like a Clifford or a Vogel or you know, even like a Darvin Ham who nobody really knows. Like, if that's if that's the guy that Monte trusts in, then I'm gonna trust him as you know, I'm gonna have to trust him as well. We, we're not there behind closed doors and. That's where a lot of the talking happens. And, you know, that's why he's a general manager. That's how I kind of feel about the situation. But, you know, that 16, 16 year playoff drought, it's it's always going to be right, you know, in big letters on the franchise's name. So I, I think, of course, that's always going to play in a factor on, you know, hiring and stuff like that. But I, I hope not. I hope. Monte just goes in here with a clean slate, not thinking about it, like he said, and it's going to do what he thinks is best for the franchise. Yeah. Um, Fox and Sabonis said that they both wanted stability in a coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever, whatever they can get to fit in and enhance the parameters of the structure of that team and how it functions and, uh, they can they can they can build a uh, culture there, you know. Um, I guess yeah. At the end of the day, you're right. You just have to strap in and trust the situation because you're in better hands now than you had been uh, in past years. Um, but you know, some of these names, uh, you know, regardless of I guess those optics, uh, they're all pretty good. <laughs> yeah there's not right. really like an option where it's like oh that's that's a horrible horrible move because even when it, it gets right down to it it's like yeah you know like maybe clifford isn't the the greatest but maybe he's he is he's gonna you know contribute to the kind of like spirited culture on court and like the defense you know you got these things about these unknown like assistant coaches you know these these coaching tree observations what 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 that can potentially bring and you know how names can go from unknown to being you know household names over the course of like several years but you know that that you know this is this is it's an interesting list and you know it's interesting to to hear everybody's takes and see you know what they think um uh and i guess you know you know with a lot of some of these better like uh bigger named candidates um 
it's just like those don't even really seem possible sometimes you know the bigger yeah. the game the less possible it seems so you know at the end of the day that probably doesn't even matter um and considering the like i said earlier considering the uh posture that they have about uh searching you know being pretty the meet me halfway kind of thing that's uh that that just doesn't that wouldn't speak to um uh, an over aggressive coaching search or anything like that but yeah you know um it's it's interesting some of those names um did we did i mention scott brooks no Um, not yet no yeah he's another one that i think is interesting i don't think he's been like uh connected to the kings in any reports or anything like that but i think again he was connected most of these are coming from who the lakers are reportedly interested in and they're, I guess, reportedly interested in a lot of people. Um, uh, so add to it Scott Brooks. And Scott Brooks is another one that's kind of interesting because it's like, you know, his experience in Oklahoma City was, despite not winning a championship, despite losing the finals, um, you know, he was coach of the year. Um, he did a good job coaching three of the best players in the league, you know, for a bit there. Um, until it wasn't until it was just uh, mostly you know Durant and uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, uh, even times in Washington. I mean, he spent five years in Washington, um, and you just wonder if you kind of gave him a, a, a kind of a foundation uh, that that maybe the Kings can could provide. And uh, you allow him to implement whatever structure he was doing for the most part with the great foundation that ended up blossoming, blossoming into something even greater, you know, uh, in Oklahoma City. Like maybe that could be like another opportunity, another like repeat of that, you know, like because Washington didn't really offer the same thing, you know. Um, but yeah. Sacramento kind of has like an idea of what they want to do. And, you know, it, it has been kind of exciting for people, you know, um, of course we don't know what's going to happen next season. I don't think you can, you know, rest assured that they're going to be like fantastic next year. Really things have to play out correctly still, but, um, you know, Brooks wouldn't be a bad option either. Brooks. I, I don't know enough about Brooks. Does Brooks actually, um, is he coaching the team at the moment? He's an assistant um, for Chauncey Billups in Portland. And he, oh, in Portland. He, Billups, Billups picked him as the lead assistant because he wanted, like, someone with, like, good experience that's, like, a good coach because Billups is, like, you know, a new coach. And um, yeah. so uh, he, he really valued what Scott Brooks had to bring. And he's very well respected around the league. Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i I definitely know scott's been around um and of course he was the coach of those early okc teams when harden was still there and when they went to the finals but of course you know kind of like we were talking about terry stotts and how you know how much of his success you know relies on damian lillard it's kind of like and it's almost kind of like the mike brown again in this in this instance even though mike brown has kind of more of like 
a better resume being under Kerr than just being the uh, coach of the Cavs with LeBron. It's kind of like, you know, like here's another guy took a team with an MVP, two MVPs, three MVPs. I mean, not at that moment, right? But, you know, he took this team to the finals, didn't win it. But, like, how much of his success in, or in Oklahoma City was accredited? You know, it could be credited to just KD, Westbrook, and Harden. Um, how much did he really do? I mean, these guys are MVPs. I mean, of course they need coaching, but, you know, probably probably a little less than – you know, role players and stuff like that. So I, I think something like that will always hang over a head, you know, his head like that, um, where you have all this talent. It's like, okay, how much, how good were you as a coach? I mean, the Wizards, I, I, he, how long, when was he the coach of the Wizards? I don't, I don't even remember. Uh, he became head coach of the Wizards in uh, 2016, and he was head coach all the way up until uh the year before this this season okay so he had those he had those years with john wall and bradley beal where you know they made they made some playoff runs that's kind of interesting um i mean yeah just i think scott brooks regardless should be on the coaching list i mean regardless of what i was saying with him and the three stars he he did take a team to the finals he um has been in the league he's made the playoffs i'm why not? I don't know what he exactly brings to the table. Something I'll have to look in a little more to, but I mean, you, you can't really count anyone out with the kind of success Brooks has had in his career, yeah. regardless of he, who or who wasn't on his team. Mm-hmm. He's kind of another like popular like players coach. Um, like, you know, Westbrook, he coached Westbrook a few times. His connection to LA is because People aren't really sure. Westbrook could very well stay in LA. He could leave LA, but you know, um, you know, you're looking at a situation where you could have a, a, a third uh, installment of a Brooks Westbrook situation. I mean, um, when he was about to get fired from Washington, uh, Bradley Beal and Westbrook were both pretty adamant against that move. They wanted to keep. Brooks around. Um, so it's just like from the structure standpoint that like Sabonis and Fox were talking about. It's like that at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like he, that just kind of based on a few of those things, just, just, just like that, that couldn't be a bad option. And of course, like you could say that about a, a lot of these guys, um, but it puts them, puts them in there. But of course, like he hasn't been formally connected to the Kings in any way. So, and it's not even clear if he he wants to head coach be a head coach next season. Um, he might want to see what's going on in Portland next year. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it's with the with the whole situation being so important. It's very interesting to talk about all sorts of different names. You know. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. I mean. <laughs> it's funny because it's like yeah it's exciting we're talking about a new head coach search like like that doesn't happen every other year in sacramento but mm-hmm. it's like i i don't know i i i really do believe we have a solid foundation in fox and sabonis regardless of what everyone else thinks 
I mean, I go on social media. A lot of people don't believe in it. A lot of people do. But a lot of people are like, yeah, we're just going to suck forever. Like, yeah. And then they have right to think that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I agree. And like, yeah, whatever coach we get is going to suck. Like, whatever. Like, but being objective about it, it's like, okay, we we have an all-star in Sabonis, a two-time all-star, a borderline all-star in Fox. I mean, I think Fox could be an all-star he put up those numbers he does at the end of every season. Uh, but if he does that all year and the Kings actually show that, you know, they can win some games. Um, I mean, I think you got two all-stars right there, but of course, Fox borderline, he's, he's got to prove it. He can do it all year. I mean, that's a this very solid foundation. You have a good small forward in Barnes. You have a solid bench forming. If you can keep DiVincenzo, which they probably will. Davion Mitchell, um, even, you know, Terrence Davis, uh, um, who am I forgetting? You're probably going to pick up Trey Lyle's option. They have solid players, and of course, you're going to have to get a couple, couple guys this free agency. But just Fox and Sabonis alone is solid. And um, yeah, I, I, what was I talking about? <laughs> I totally yeah. forgot. <laughs> uh, I I feel like you're kind of like speaking to. <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally know, lost my train of thought because well, I was going on. I was going into the solid foundation. Yeah, you were saying what well, you were saying, like you could like you're talking about the optimism. You're just kind of speaking to the optimism and kind of speaking. I, I guess kind of saying, adding to the point that like you know you trust McNair and that I think we maybe you had a broader point that like there's some appeal to the Sacramento. For, for a head coaching job in Sacramento. Maybe that hasn't been there in a while, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, I mean, that that that's actually a big deal because it's, like, not since, like, Grana Dive got here has it, like, been a job that's, like, appealing, you know? I mean, not that it was, like, appealing before he got here. Um, but... Never in that tenure, really, until like since since the very beginning, like when Malone got it. But then after the Malone thing, oh, that that struck people as weird. And then it got really weird with um the Carl Carl thing because it was essentially a repeat of the same old stuff. Um, and you know there were reports of coaches not wanting to come here. Like Kevin McHale expressly, like explicitly said, like he didn't want to come to Sacramento because of all the crap here. Um, but you know. Uh, whether or not it stems from the product on the court or the product on the court is a result, which I think it's probably the latter. I think the, the, the foundation on the court is a result of a change in um, the way this franchise is run. Um, but, you know, like that is created, you know, freedom in the front office to do the thing that they need to do to let the basketball people do what they need to do, which has not been the case for a long time. Um, as well as have, you know, something cooking on the court, you know? So, like, it's for the first time in a while, it has some appeal to some degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I see. It. That's kind of, I mean, probably the tag yeah, off the, of what you piggyback Yeah, off what you, you, you said it much better than I would have if I remembered where I was going with it. But, yeah, there is appeal and, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to add. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. 
<laughs> yes, here I am. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, the, the that's that just uh, you know, like you said, that's why it's kind of a different head coaching search altogether. Too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's where I was starting, huh? That we we have head coaching searches every other year. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a different head coach search, and I'm going to say it instead of once, say it again. Monte, he's got a long, long offseason <laughs> ahead of him. It's, you know, the first full week, really, without Kings basketball, unless you count Sunday as part of, you know, not the start of the week. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little slow right now in news, obviously. Playoffs still going on. But uh, I think, you know, Kings news, especially once free agency opens in, you know, a couple months and draft. And or I didn't, and when does free agency open? I'm assuming a couple months. July, but, uh, I think. Yeah, right. I mean, it's so far away. You got the draft and that, too. And Monte's a good drafter. But, oh, and, of course, the coach search. So it's going to be a long offseason. A lot of optimism. Um, going into the next season to see if we can get the pieces, the coach, um, you know, to really build. Our you know, what? This, this is really this sounds stupid, but it's like, you know, remember the days where you'd stay up all night playing like 2K and you'd like have like a, a franchise that you'd, you'd take take uh, control of. Yeah, this Kings team would be a hell of a team to take over in one of those GM modes. Yeah, know, to like pick a coach and shit. You know, like that's not with like the foundation. Like here you go, or like right before this to be able to do it. Like Monte McNair, you know, you got a great little project. You know, Monte McNair has the opportunity. He he set himself up in a nice situation by getting Sabonis. First of all, I mean that was all him. He did the draft picks. He got Halliburton. He flipped that into Sabonis. Now you have Fox and Sabonis. That's a great setup right there. But um, now he he really you know Sacramento is not the most you know, lucrative place to go to, but um, I just, I, I bet a lot of people would like to be in a spot right now. He really has the opportunity to really imprint his name on the NBA. I mean, if he can turn the Kings around, I, I, that's a crazy feat. And if they can become a winning team, you know, like Monte McNair, he, he could arguably be, arguably be, like executive of the year. I don't want to get ahead of myself or anything, but I think he really put himself in the nice position. He, you know, they finally, he has a, he has his turn to hire a coach. Um, he had, you know, built that nice foundation himself. And it, you know, it's going to be a long, lot of work this off season, but it's his opportunity to really build what he wants to build. And if that's going to work, then he's going to be, a, he's going to be a top executive in the league right there. I, I believe so. I mean, anyone who can turn this Kings team around is going to be, you know, yeah. oud and odd over. It's it, no one's been That's able to do appeal. it. Yeah, That's the it, one it's appeal. the one appeal, one appeal, right? And a lot of people don't want the job because of it, because it seems almost impossible, especially with Vivek at the helm. But I Monte, you know, hats off to him. He's he set himself in a great position this offseason. And it, yeah, it really is his turn to, you know, to, to really do what he wants his vision it's his turn and we'll see if that works or not it's a lot a lot you know maybe a lot of pressure but it's probably every gm's dream not dream but you know, in a way it's like you're building you, he's really building something from the ground up right here and if it works it's like it could work anywhere yeah 
Uh, it'd be great. You know, uh, yeah. Fox and Sabonis were talking. Uh, <laughs> it was recorded last Monday, um, but uh, they sat down on Katie Christensen's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a podcast or show. Um, the real, uh, real great riveting. journalism. Um, uh, it was, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was exceptional. Um, it was very informative. Um, but you know, they were talking about that, uh, uh, that kind of like thing for, you know, wanting to turn this team around and whatnot and like how excited they are just like seeing how the fans can be when they're actually winning a game. Imagine what they could do when they have a winning season. You know, like I think Fox is like the town of like get set on fire, you know, but yeah, um, yeah, that um, Katie Christensen interview was 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 cool. Um, you know, I, I think I, you know, I some highlights from the first like 10, 12 minutes of it. Um, you know, I think, you know, um, I just think my uh, uh, the suggestion of Katie Christensen to tell this is a quote. This is a quote from Katie Christensen that it's just to to to, to De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis. She told them, "Look up Doctor Huxtable," um, and <laughs> she's referring to uh, Bill Cosby. Um, you know, notorious, uh, defamed, and uh, criminal Bill Cosby. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, he's referring to him as Dr. Huxtable and getting like, I don't know, this has nothing to do with the actual like important things in the in the interview. But it's just kind of funny to hear her kind of like <laughs> bring it up, you know, and like hear her like interrupt like Sabonis like five times in the interview. <laughs> I counted um, and like talk about their favorite sushi places, like McCoy's. favorite emojis. Favorite emojis. But I mean, like on the sushi thing, it's like, man, it's just like you just see the divide. It's like this is not the people's people's podcast. You know, like you want to know good sushi, you go to you get a sushi cafe in East Sac for their happy hour, five dollar rolls, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you whip that up. Or you, you know, you do something like that. You don't go to McCoonies. You, try, you get a mortgage to pay, man. Like, <laughs> you know, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, just like telling, she told Fox that she he dresses like Doctor Huxtable, which was just a reserved way of saying he dresses like Bill Cosby. And then you know, it's like if you just say Bill Cosby or don't say it at all, you know. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know. It's just these are the things that I have in my notes from the interview. It was it was one it was interesting because it was recorded, I believe, after Fox and Sabonis met with. Um, the sports press uh, on Monday for like their end of the season interviews. And, um, you know, once she got to the real questions, you know, like no offense to her. It's just like, they're like, she's like rehashing the same questions. So it's like, they didn't really say anything like new. They got to kind of indulge, like uh, kind of expand, I guess, on some of the things that they'd said earlier. But, you know, it, it was just like, what the heck is this? You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's from the king's channel it's just promotional stuff at the end of the day um but it was interesting to just kind of at the end of the day just listen to katie christensen um interrupt demonte sabonis five times listen to darren fox talk about um 
the Sherlock Holmes emoji or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. This is a very cynical, kind of just dry look at the whole thing. <laughs> no, you know, Katie, is she totally qualified to be an interviewer? Is she totally qualified to be a color commentator uh, on a nightly basis? Uh, no, I don't think so. But, you know, here she is. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of Kings fans agree that the new look broadcasting team under Katie and, you know, a switch off of Kyle Draper and um, Mark Jones isn't the best officiate or not officiating crew, but, you know, commentating crew. <laughs> that you know i don't know it's as much as you didn't like grant or you know what he did and whatever and i don't know just you know grant it, it was hard to top grant and jerry and now you got katie christensen calling games and now she's doing these interviews and i yeah it's promotional and stuff but i don't know I, I, it's hard to get into you know it's like i, I don't want to watch these videos where you know i'm a king's fan i like promotional stuff it's a bit sappy or not like should be at least entertaining and if it's going to be talking about emojis and her interrupting DeMontis and you know what's the point and that's not that's not good promotion in my my opinion yeah no i mean i guess i mean she's like you know a few things there i mean uh she, she's not so bad i think as a color commentator uh she provides some decent insight um but like you're right whatever's going on there it's not a great um, Mark Jones is uh, is an interesting task. Uh, he's an interesting piece of work. Um, yeah, just uh, maybe not interesting at all is probably better. Um, mm -hmm. True. Uh, and then Kyle Draper is just like an excited child when he gets on there. Um, yeah, you know what? That's why I kind of like Kyle. As, as I think he's as, a little. I like him a little bit. I like it better when he calls the games than Mark Jones because Mark Jones will use the same big, same five big words. Every, yeah you know every few games yeah yeah no he yeah it's kind of like mark jones is like professional like like that's the category i would put him in he's professional or college raper he's kind of more like yeah just he's like excited but he's not very good at calling the game is the issue but it's like something <laughs> i think as kings fans enjoyed about grant and jerry was that they would they would get excited when you they would you know, the Kings would do well or, you know, they'd kind of get mad when the Kings wouldn't. So, um, I, I, you know, I think we kind of see that a little in Kyle. But is he qualified to be the lead commentator, the head commentator? Nah, but I mean. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's really about being a fan because um, I don't even know. I'm sure that I know that Grant and uh, Jerry Reynolds were they wanted to see the Kings win. They wanted to see them succeed. They've been part of the organization for a long time. Of course, they, they, they're fans, you know, but it's like, it's just like to bring like basketball is an exciting sport, of course, but it's like the commentating can't just like, it, it has to like it, it, it for it to be good. It's got to like kind of in some way enhance the experience, like to, to be able to listen to like, other people and it's just like it's not even like about them not being exciting it's just like i don't know the anecdotes are kind of dry i don't know you know like you have some of these guys that have been around the league 
like around the NBA forever, like former players in the, and it's not, I don't want to say like it has to be a former NBA player, but it's like, man, I remember I used to watch a lot of Warriors games with Bob Fitzgerald, who is a radio personality in the Bay area, can talk sport. He gets kind of annoying, but he's, he's, he can talk sports forever. And then Jim Barnett, uh, before Kalena Azabuki's took took over for Golden State, Jim Barnett was one of my favorite freaking uh, color commentators ever because he just like supplied great stories. You know, the guy had such a history. He's just this old guy with mustache. You know, like what is not to love? You know, uh, mm-hmm. and he's he, it's just fantastic. And I don't know. There's just a, there's just something that doesn't feel like. And I'm sure that the Kings are trying to start their own roots or whatever, but they're just, everything seems so up. There's nothing like deeply rooted about what's going on. There's no like deep connection. Like I'm sure that if you had a commentating change, nobody would really care, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that should say a lot, you know, like nobody gives it. I don't think really people give like much of a crap at the end of the day, like whether Mark Jones is going to be available or not, you know, it's not like, you know, like to not to do the cross sports thing, but it's not like, you know, you're listening to the to the Giants game on the radio or something like that. And you're like, oh, who's going to who's who's got this these three innings? You know, is it is it John Miller? Is it is it is it is it Kipe? Is it is it Fleming? Like, you know, you're like wondering who's who's got it. You know, you're excited. Like these these people enhance the experience. Yeah, um, they do. And That's a great. Yeah, the Kings, they do. The Kings just they ended up stripping. I mean, not just the Kings themselves, that whole relationship just ruptured. Um, but, you know, it, you know, you can't just, it's like when Jerry Reynolds was commentating that game in Orlando. It's like listening <sighs> to, him, to him say like, you know, like, uh, like if, if Lyles does one more, if Lyles does one more pump fake, he's going to get whiplash or something like that. You know? <laughs> like he's just like, he's so... There's just like such a, they're so comfortable. You know, there's like a comfort level with it. They're just so part of it. They're not just like, it's like, yeah, it's like, there's no formality or like, it's just, it, it feels so integrated and uh, not just a part of the experience, but like I said, it, it enhances it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to be like hard. I don't want to be like hard on Katie Christensen. It's like, she's got a great opportunity. She's doing, I mean, like, of course she's going to do her best and, try her best and do whatever her job is um but at the end of the day it's like you know um yeah she's not like i said she's not a bad like color commentator you know she provides some pretty good insight but yeah um, she has insight um you know but it's just the the tandem's not there then the the feeling's not there and then just on those kind of promotional videos it's just like at the end of the day, it's like, man, these guys are just at the end of the day, these guys are just promoting a product. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's just like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. Um, and it's like, that's not, it's not, you know, that's just, it's not really journalism at all. But, um, and I don't think Katie Christensen would argue with that. Um, yeah, true. You know, that's she, definitely, she gets yeah. him. I mean, I, I doubt she's the one who wrote the emoji question. You know, it's, no, I bet she wrote that. No, I bet you think. She, I bet you think all, she did? I bet all those. I bet those are all her ideas. I bet she did all the questions. I bet she did it. Probably she probably consulted some people, but I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does it all. You know, um, but like, you know, like in in terms of her job, like 
it's her job to be like you know one of the things like um uh, you know mentioning like bay area sports it's like you know kmbr is really bad now it's not interesting at all like everybody's left for the most part it's good um and uh you know uh one of the things that what even when it was a pretty good platform to listen to sports you know talk um <clears throat> it still at the end of the day like a lot of it is partly owned by these franchises that they're covering and it's like you're not going to get the most like honest viewpoint um of the team and that's why social media is probably such a big thing in the sports world and why people probably don't pay attention to a lot of sports media because that stuff is just a lot of like it's it's either promotional for the team um spouting off whatever they want you to say or just like fan journalism you know which is basically mm -hmm. like a form of like access journalism or something you know it's just like it doesn't serve a purpose um, yeah it's just this kind of fluff you know and mm -hmm. uh so like yeah that, that kind of becomes like difficult um at that point but yeah you know she she she, she you know uh Take they had easy. an opportunity, you know. They they had an op they had an opportunity to uh, to name some good restaurants there, and they just didn't. You know, <laughs> that's that's what, <laughs> that's what you got from all that. You, you yeah, really the Cosby the thing. Yeah, the, the oh, Cosby, the, no, the Cosby, yeah. The Cosby thing too. Just like yeah. you don't. Need, first of all, it's like okay, these guys are like uh, Sabonis is probably our age, or maybe a little younger than us, and then Fox is definitely younger than us by a few years, I think um it's just like okay i can see why they don't know who dr huxtable is but you know damn good and well they're gonna know who bill cosby is yeah he was yeah. kind of in the news you know for other reasons you know i don't know i just i just it, i i'm a stinker i just laugh at a lot of stuff um, <laughs> but um yeah you know that's my takeaway from that but you know speaking of like media because it's like that's one type of thing but like you know Mark Spears, part of the national sports media, uh, prominent uh, national NBA media, I should say. Um, you know, uh, I was talking to DeMarcus Cousins, and uh, Cousins had a few interesting things to say. Um, but, you know, and I, I don't know if you have the, the quotes in front of you at all. but um, I, I don't have the exact quotes unfortunately but some interesting ones that you know i kind of remember were something along the lines of like sack did nothing for me other than call my name on draft day um you know i did more for them than they did for me that's just being honest seven coaches seven years like enough said so that's one of them and and then George Carl um, saw this on Twitter and responded back, you know, because, you know, it's George Carl and Cousins obviously didn't get along and still don't. He's like, well, paid you 50 million and gave you the chance to play professional basketball. So Carl, Carl kind of chimed in, but that doesn't surprise me. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, uh, I mean, of course, like with those guys, it's like the thing that it's interesting is it's like the guy in the middle there is not at all addressed um when that's vivek ronadive <laughs> um but 
you know, uh, I don't think Cousins really means most of this stuff because it doesn't make any sense. Because in that interview, he's talking about like how he's connected to Michael Malone, like in no other way, like in no other way similar to any other connection with any other coach ever. Um, he says it's like well documented. I got it here, and um, you know, uh, he he had all these nice things to say about Malone and all this stuff, and you know, saying that the Kings were insane for getting rid of him and all this stuff, and how they they would have been winners and all this stuff. Which you know, yeah, you take away a lot of the you you, you have Ronadive not doing a lot of the crap and running the, an organization the way it was for a long time. Uh, from the if you don't have that going on from the start, you know. There's there's reason to believe that Malone and Cousins could have done something to maybe prevent the playoff drought from going where it was or something. I don't know. It would have been interesting to see. Um, but, I mean, you know, when he says that he wishes he never went to the workout for the Kings before draft, for the, before the NBA draft, it's like he doesn't mean that because then you're saying that you wish he never was, you know, was coached by – you would have never been coached by – Malone to begin with, right? I mean, like, I don't know. It just feels kind of like, it just feels like this is this is just so silly, you know? I mean, I don't know. Like, Spears asked him the question, like, do you think your number 15 jersey should be retired? And it's like, he asked that question knowing exactly what Boogie's going to say, which is, yeah, absolutely, which is what he said. And it's just like, you know, that's... I feel like this is just – it just speaks to how bad, how dumbed down uh, the national media is regarding the Kings because it's like you're totally neglecting, as I said, the guy in the middle there, the guy at the top. And you're going to go ahead and just like kick the stereotype around that the Kings are terrible and everything like that, which is true, surface level, but it's like you're the – you're supposed to be like the like preeminent – uh, you know, sports media authority, you know, these, these, mm-hmm. these national NBA writers and whatnot. And just like, I don't know, like, what's the deal there? Like, why, why is it just so stupid? Why is everything like they had that, they had that ESPN thing. They had another thing, like the top 25 under 25 and they put like Fox at 22 and Halliburton at 14. Something. I don't know. Yeah. 14. And it's just like, I don't know. It was like I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't really care. When, like whenever I see that stuff, I'm like, I feel like half the time they just put guys in places to, you know, just cause a stir. They Probably. Just, like, I think so. Like, I don't know. Like you listen to like if you watch any lead up to a draft analysis, whether it's like the NBA or like whatever, you like have people like address like who are your top five this position, and you'll have like these different analysts, and all their lists will be way different. So it's like. You know, there's not, there's, it's just, there's, there's never going to be like, like a consensus pick, you know, it's not like a video game where it's like, nah, dude, his overall is better. You know, it's like, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, <laughs> so it's just like, it's just stupid. And it just, I feel like maybe less so that it's not obviously deliberate at the Kings. That would be, that, that, that's, that would be silly to think, but you know, it's just like, there's this is kind of like it reveals what they're kind of thought of, you know, the Kings and it, it, it more so reveals just how unserious the national media sports media is um, regarding like a full scope look at 
leagues and stuff of course they break news and you know they have the best connections and stuff like that and they can make the the the, the, the biggest breaking news and uh reports and whatnot but it's just like when it comes to a full comprehensive look it's just like they fall short all the time and it's just like just like any other journalism it's like they're really good at one thing but then they suck at everything else you know so i don't know it's so it's when it comes to covering the kings it's just lazy and stupid and just like listening to the it's what this is it's just like everybody like yeah should you be able to to take a dump on Rana Dive's Kings? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like, be direct about it. Don't just be like, yo, look at, like, aren't you glad you're not with the Kings? But don't you think your number should be freaking retired? It's just like, shut up. I don't know. It's just like, like, that's so dumb and lazy. And it's just like, everybody says the same thing. I don't know. Get creative. <laughs> I just, good, good breakdown. I, I Well, on top of, and just to add to that, I mean, on top Keep of, going. Now that I think Keep about going. it. I mean, on top of the fact that, like, you know, like, coverage of the trade of Halliburton, coverage of whatever the Kings did in the last uh, two months of the season, it's it either is non-existent or it's totally incorrect, you know? <laughs> oh, the Kings, incorrect. Just, wow, the, the Kings, wow, they really just put a blindfold on and tried to hit a professional curveball, you know? Like, by trading away Halliburton, that was stupid, you know? It's like, no, you don't understand, and... Then they just looking at wins and losses, and it's like, man, especially like right before Fox and Sabonis went down when they were like playing Chicago and Milwaukee, it's like it was culminating to a moment where it's like these guys are not just competing, but it's like they can really win some of these games. You know, they beat they beat Chicago, they lost to to Milwaukee, but you know, like you listen, like speaking of commentating crews, it's like because of the lack of you know. Uh, appeal to the king's commentating crew i often like to listen to other commentating crews sometimes sometimes they're worse to be honest um but uh you know a lot of them sometimes they have like a good point of view about it usually former players have a good point of view about it i've probably made this point before but it's like a lot of these people it's just like i don't know it's like they have these like peripheral understandings of what's going on but they have too much pride in what they do to be able to admit that. And so they just like reveal how ignorant they are. And the, the Kings are a perfect example of that. They just, they reveal all that. And it's just, it's so obvious that, um, you know, that the Kings were doing something that that trade was doing something. And it's just like, to say otherwise, is just like, you're either not paying attention or you have like, you know, a biased opinion. Like, you know, I always cite JJ Reddick's, you know, face stuck in this aghast expression, you know, when Halliburton got traded. And it's like, oh, the dudes is bet like they're pals to hang out. It's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But these other mother, you know, these other sons of guns, you know, they fucking, they, uh, they, uh, you know, they're just like guessing. <laughs> and they're going off what other people say. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. you can't just like, you can't just like, add to that like that's not that's the opposite of journalism isn't it like talk talk about sports journalism if you're gonna call it journalism it's gotta i don't know now i feel like that's getting a little snobby but you know you know what i mean it's stupid it's it's it, the it's just dumbed down and any, yeah. any take on the kings is generally one not worth listening to as of late yeah really ever since that trade too because 
I guess I read these things and I don't know why I read them, but it's on the King. So I read them. It's like, yeah, like King. Well, yeah, exactly. What did dumb move? Like they were trying to, you know, do a win now and getting Sabonis and look where that ended up. It's like, yeah, like, like the dude doesn't have two years left on his contract, you know, not like we're trying to like build a team first. Not like, yeah, we're just going to start winning with six new guys at the deadline. Like don't act like, yeah, it was just stupid. Like, yeah, we're trying to go yeah. from the we're going we're trying to go from the eleventh seed to the second, and within like twenty games. Yeah, you know, it, even even McNair, I think McNair in his press conference said something to the effect that's like, like you know, we because he 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 did say like after the trade, it's like yeah, we're trying to make a we're trying to make a go at the plan, but it's like he basically revealed in the press conference, it's like well, we're kind of just kind of trying to go for the the immediate future. You know, like next season, um, and the plan, like you just do that to set that motivation. You set that precedent, and you heard that from the guys that were new. Like Sabonis was always saying, like we're trying to make a plan, um, even when it was very obvious. There were a few times Justin Holiday was like, "Oh, we're, we're trying to make the playoffs," and it's like, uh, "Dude, I don't think you're gonna make the playoffs." But it's like, you know, that was just like it was all about setting this kind of like precedent, and it just like <laughs> the fact that people just like look at the Kings doing something that's actually good. And thinking it's just stupid because everything so far has really not worked out for them. Again, it's just lazy and it reveals you not, you don't know what you're talking about, which is fine. You don't have to know, you know, you don't have to know everything. There's a, I'm a dummy when it comes to the sports, you know, like most things. But it's like, just don't claim to talk about things that you, you know, don't claim to know, you know, uh, things about, uh, topics that you choose to talk about you know just don't talk about it if you don't know what the hell you're talking about you know or acknowledge yeah. it whatever mm -hmm. i don't know these people are just like phonies and they just they're paid to talk a lot of these, a lot of, these they, yeah, a lot of them have just been told they're great their whole freaking lives yeah which is you know it's not to get uh you know too mean about it but it's like you know come on guys you know again like i said there's usually never a take about the kings that's worth listening to Except, except here. Yeah, you know, <laughs> come on, no, the, the people's podcast, the people's podcast in Monte. We trust King's talk. Yeah, was that a good promotion right there? That's pretty good. I, mean, I don't even know. There's not much to be said after that. <laughs> well, there's not much to be said. Do you do you have anything to add? I mean, you. You, you, I, you, I feel like it was an episode of ranting for you mostly, but um, yeah, I, I, mean, I loved, yeah. I loved every second of it, honestly, and I think, I think everyone else will as well. <laughs> <laughs> right on, folks! You come join us, at the People's Podcast, baby. The People's Talk, King's Talk. All right, well, everybody, <laughs> until next time, Tony and John here. Uh, have a good one. <laughs>